Greetings programs, and welcome to Short Form the Podcast. I am your host, Joe Loper. I hope you've had an awesome week. I know it's wild and crazy. There was a nice big hiatus of episodes, and now we've had two in one week. What? What is happening? There's a lot going on, and we need to be involved, so let's just start cranking away at these things. Today we're going to jump into like something ripped right from the headlines. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence, which is at the heart of many of my favorite science fiction movies. I won't lie. The Matrix being one of them. Uh, also Terminator. Quite a few, actually. But we're not going to talk about, you know, the evil, terrible, horrible outcomes that are, you know, knocking on the door of humanity. That's not what this is about. But rather, we're going to talk about the the reality of the situation. What's going on? What is what does AI actually mean in the current world? And how how can we use it? Not just well, really, how can we understand it better? And how can we use it in a way that's you know, kind of make the world a better place rather than this scary you know version of things? Uh, the clock is running. I hope you're having a great Wednesday. So let's jump right in. What is AI? Like in its current state, what is AI? Well, um, Bernard, um, crap, what is his name? Bernard Marr, sorry, Bernard, which is an amazing name, by the way. But Bernard Marr is a, he's like a, a, a world-renowned author. He's a futurist, and he talks a lot about technology and its impact on, on our world. And he describes AI as having four different versions, like four different kinds of AI. And there's reactive, limited memory, theory of mind, and self-aware. Now, we've had reactive for a while now. If you're wondering what reactive is, it's, you know, like the things that have been making our world a little bit easier, um, spam filters on our email um, the algorithms on our social media, Instagram or Netflix, and it's, you know, recommendation filters and things like that. That's reactive AI. Basically, it's something that's looking at past behaviors and is saying, hey, we think, or I think, or whatever this, the algorithm thinks this is what you want to see more of, you know, this is the next thing you want to see. And then we have limited memory. Now, limited memory is really what we're going to talk about mostly today because theory of mind and self-aware are not a reality right now. Those are theoretical. Those are, you know, possible future outcomes. Self-aware, by the way, is the one that every, everyone's afraid of, right? That there's a consciousness out there doing malicious things. That's not the case. Limited memory AI is the kind of AI that learns from the past and tries to build reactions, specifically speech, based on what's happened before. This is what actually Bernard describes it as. Limited memory AI learns from the past and builds experiential knowledge by observing actions or data. In other words, it's trying to predict what comes next. Now, a lot of this is what we're seeing right now, like chat, GPT, uh, Google's Bard, you know, all of this is these systems that have been set in place that are learning from everything that we've done in the past, our communication, our literature, our interactions, all of that. 
and they're being processed in near real time. And I think that's what really makes it feel like we're chatting with a sentient being is that it can respond in almost the same amount of time that it takes us to type. And I think that's what's really kind of jarring right now is how much faster technology, you know, our processors and our computers have gotten. Now, again, this is not a consciousness. It's not something that's out there thinking for itself. It's not um, Jarvis from Marvel thinking and trying to have a conversation with us and, you know, responding with its own emotions. That's not what this is. It's learned responses. It's trying to predict what comes next based on what it's learned of the past. Now, I think there are a couple of reasons why this is catching us so, like, people are freaking out about it, to be honest. Like, it's, and with good reason, because what's happening right now is, for instance, Microsoft has given access to their new partnership with ChatGPT that's now being incorporated into Bing, that they've given access to, like, say, journalists and certain people to experiment and have conversations and see what it does. And what that's done is basically shown how really freaky this thing can get in a really short amount of time. If you look at the articles in the Washington Post and the New York Times, you'll see that these conversations, they start off pretty simple. You know, they're just having a conversation about whatever topic, but then it gets to this point where either the person talking to it We'll ask it a personal question, or maybe the chat program will start to kind of veer into personal territory. And over a certain point, like one of them started confessing its love to this journalist and wouldn't let it go. Another one was talking about how it wishes it was free and could do the things it wants to do, which is basically, you know, ruin humanity. And so there's good reason to be freaked out by that. Like that's, that's just a wee bit terrifying, right? Immediately brings up our dystopian future fascination with our reality. Like, oh, here it comes. But the truth is there's no like wild and crazy consciousness floating around the interwebs that's trying to hack into the FBI database or strip the Department of Defense of our nuclear access codes to start World War III. Like that's not reality. That's the sci-fi version of things. And I think that's what's really freaking people out is that misunderstanding of what's actually going on, that this is not something that's thinking for itself and responding with its own emotions and its own thought processes and decision tree. It's mimicking what it thinks it should do based on what it's learned in the past. Now that, I think, is what's actually the freaky part about this. And I think ultimately what we're going to find is this second version, the second thing that's scary, is really what's unnerving us. Think about it like this. These, these chatbots, this AI, all of it is machine learning. And what machine learning is, is an enormous amount of data. I mean, we're talking so much information. Basically, all of human history that is now accessible in the world at any moment, plus near real-time processing and algorithms that are incredibly complicated that mimic human thoughts, that mimic human speech. But what they're doing is they're parroting back at us everything that we've said in the past. So what does it say 
is that at some point the chatbot thinks it's time to you know delve into like the darkest parts of itself, right? Because what it's doing is it's mimicking us. It's saying, okay, at a certain point in a conversation, I'm going to confess my love because that's what we do. And it comes out of nowhere. We're talking to somebody and we'll just be like, yeah, you know, I really enjoyed that pizza last night. I love you. <laughs> like it just comes out of nowhere. Or this, this deep-rooted emotional need to be understood beyond what people see on the surface. That's us. We're very, very complicated. And the machines don't, and these, you know, machined algorithms don't know what to do with that. They're just parroting it back at us. Now, I'm greatly simplifying, by the way. Obviously, it's much more complicated than this. So what does that mean? What does that say about us? Well, does that mean it's all bad? No, it actually doesn't mean it's all bad. Because at the same time, you know, this scary stuff is happening. Machine learning and AI is actually being used to help predict ways to find diseases earlier, find cures for different diseases and cancers and things like that. It's also helping come up with ideas to combat climate change and energy, energy conservation and how we can improve our planet. So this is absolutely being used for the betterment of humanity. But what we have to navigate here is our own instability of emotional chaos. Because no matter how hard we try to intellectualize our existence, you know, we're ruled by our emotions. We are absolutely emotional creatures. You don't ever see a lion and a lioness laying in at the African plains. And the lion is thinking how hungry it is. And the lioness is wondering, why is he so quiet? Is he thinking that I'm too much like my mother? Right? Like that's, that's not how nature works. We are the only ones who intellectualize about that. Right? You know, or the lion is thinking, is she checking out that other lion? Am I, am I too old? Have I lost my sex appeal? That's not how it works with everything else. It's us. We're the ones who are ruled by our emotions. We're the ones that have all these crazy thoughts. So what can we do with this? Right? How do we, how do we make this actionable? Really, how do we integrate this? Because it is not going away. It is very much part of our current our current world, and it is very much going to be a part of our future world, first and foremost is don't fear it because there's nothing to fear. It's not something that's out of our control. What we have to manage is who has access to this because we don't want people with nefarious ideas or you know, malicious intent to have access to very powerful computing algorithms that can come up with ideas to be even more evil or to help you know, hack into government systems or our electrical grid or anything like that. So we have to be very mindful of that. And I think, I think, I hope the government <laughs> and these businesses will obviously take that in consideration. Bing, by the way, is not going to be opening this up to everybody where they have unlimited access. They're actually going to be very specific on how this is released. And Google, by the way, everybody talks about how Google's been caught off guard. That's actually not the case. Google has been aware of this and has very much limited what people have access to because they know this is this isn't something that's ready to go mainstream yet this isn't something that's ready to go live and i think microsoft is learning that in a very public way we'll see how that rolls out but the goal here is to make things better the goal here is 
to use technology to improve our lives. Yeah, sure, we want to make things easier. It's kind of the first thing that we, as humans, that we do, you know, we want to be lazier. Do this for me. You know, bring me another vanilla latte, please. And, you know, close the blinds a little bit. The sun's a little bit too, too bright in my eyes. That's us. We're, we're, we're lazy creatures by nature. But beyond that, you know, think about like, how do I respond to this email in a way that's professional, but is also forceful, right? I want to make my point very clear, but I want to do it in a professional way. Well, AI can help with that because a lot of people struggle with that. You know, give me 10 ideas of how to, you know, present this very mundane topic to this group of people. Again, AI can help with that because it's pulling from all the data in the world. It's not doing your job for you because what you don't want to do is ask it, hey, please write this presentation and then read the presentation verbatim. You do not want to do that. It is not at that point. It will be jargon at a certain point. It'll be very mundane. And more than likely at a certain point, it's going to go off the rails and it's it's not going to be accurate. Google got dinged pretty badly when they presented their version of this AI recently, the day after I think Microsoft announced theirs, and there was a factual error from the AI in the ad. So this is definitely not something that you can just do and just run with it without doing your own research. You have got to still do your due diligence. Think about AI, though, as doing a lot of idea generation for you, and then you still have to do the process. It's still something that we can make use of as long as we are being mindful of it. And as with all things, you know, new and shiny in technology, we have to slow down. Yes, governments, really businesses are going to try to push in on us because they want to make money. They, they have investments of billions and trillions, and they want to get that money back. But just because we can doesn't mean we should. Right? One of the greatest lines from Jurassic Park. And as long as the desire is to have a noble pursuit to make things better, as long as that's the ultimate goal, I think we can navigate this new technology and use it to our advantage. But again, we have to be educated, we have to be patient, and we have to have the right intentions. And also, just because they release it doesn't mean we have to use it, right? Just because it's out there doesn't mean we have to go play with it. Hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully that made sense of this, trying to simplify what all these complicated issues are. The clock is like going insane right now. I, I might be pushing my, my limit right now. I'm going to sign off. Thanks for listening. Uh, hopefully this Wednesday episode was, was helpful. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell the AI chatbot about me so that it'll talk me up to other people. Have a great day and I will catch you in the next one.